Hey, this is Walker Lukens. I'm sitting here with Zach Catanzaro. Uh, this is a bonus episode. So if you have not listened to our mini season EP, Love in Quarantine, then go back and do that first and then come back to this for uh, a little more recap and some updates from our confessors. We spoke to most of our confessors uh, around late March, early April. So there's been quite some time since then. A lot has happened in our personal lives, in the world. Um, so we decided to reach back out and kind of get an update and see what was going on. Like so fucking much has happened in the last (laughs) four months. I wanted to gloss over it just to make sure you were listening, but so fucking much. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, predictably it has had an effect, uh, continued to have an effect on some of our confessors. So episode three, which was the band gold, Mm -hmm. they wrote to a woman's confession she had this crush on it. Uh, had sort of started to see this guy, Co- and then a couple dates, a couple yeah. hot and heavy dates. Yeah, and then uh, he ended up going home to see his parents, and mm. unwittingly uh, had to quarantine there for months. So their kind of young budding romance was halted. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her to see how things were going, and and it it didn't work out. Nick's prediction was was right. He said if they were if they what was it? If they lasted at least 6 months, they were good to go. They didn't quite make I, it 6 months. Yeah, Nick from Golds, I don't know how you were right on that. <laughs> I still think you were wrong. I yeah. think you were you were circumstantially well, correct. We don't have any proof that he was wrong. True fucking story. <laughs> so, so I asked her. I said, you know, how how what happened and uh did you think it was over before he returned to uh, Portland? And she said, I, def- I didn't think it was going to turn into a relationship that I knew, but I thought at least a fun summer fling. It's a reasonable hope. Yeah, so something happened there. We don't yeah. exactly know, but she knew it wasn't going to become this relationship that she was seeking. Um, so she didn't go into many details about how they broke up, but she did tell me that... Uh, about her experience of running into him in public. That's almost better than a breakup. It, it is. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Give it to me. We hadn't been talking too much, except I knew he had been going to the protests happening here in Portland. And the last time I saw him was at 2 a.m. on a street corner near the Justice Center. He had been on the fence fighting the federal police all night and looked exhausted. As we were hugging, a can of tear gas was thrown into our group and a riot line of police started pushing us. So we separated back into our original groups and then got bull rushed 10 blocks by the cops, then reconnected later in the crowd after we had a standoff with them and the police finally went back to the Justice Center. Definitely the most interesting place I have ever run into an ex-hookup. Here, here. That's... Uh, oh, you're still going. How do you have a conversation after being tear gassed all night? <sighs> Quick yeah. recap. Over 60 nights in a row. Well, right? It was over 60 nights that um, there was clashes between Portland protesters and what started as local police, escalated to federal police. Uh, a bunch of controversy there in various ways, but... Um, yeah, that's a pretty wild run-in. And also makes me think that maybe there is hope for their relationship, because clearly their priorities are aligning. 
Just pure trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. Oh, you're right. They're 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 they, that is true. They did. She mentioned that in the confession. They share a lot of interests. You're not you're not fighting the feds at two a.m. unless you have similar beliefs. Well said. So, you know, I think that uh, in my own relationship, we will look back at this period for us um, as a sabbatical from regular hustle and bustle because uh, me and Ken's are making virtually the same living on unemployment without having to work as hard. Mm-hmm. And don't even fucking start with me about whether that's okay. You people can shut the fuck up. Because if you want to go get a job during the middle of quarantine where you're putting yourself at risk, then you can judge me. Anyway, we haven't been doing a lot, relatively speaking. Relatively and so speaking. it's been really... Which, for the record, we've worked the past like six days in a row. So that's that's yeah. your version of not doing a lot yeah. for anyone that is actually judging. Yeah. You don't understand what not yeah, living a off, nine man. to five I've been is. wearing a mask. I, I basically work in a song deli, okay? I wear <laughs> a fucking deli. mask all day, sweating it out with my friends. <laughs> Okay, I don't. I I refuse to be judged by you Just people. Thin slice and trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Left and right. There's a lot more to this concept that we could develop that I think would be really fucking good. All Choice right. cuts. Song confessional is officially over. It's now song deli. <laughs> Different concept, <laughs> but kind of the same. Oh, it's really good. Slightly more processed. I, 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 <laughs> I just think I, I just have this feeling we're gonna look back on this moment in my relationship and just view it as like this kind of sabbatical mm-hmm. and um, a sabbatical from real real hustle and bustle. Yeah, you know? I I I mean you're in a long term committed relationship, so I am. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, Monica. I, that, was, that was a joke. That was I, a joke. I literally was like, did I miss a text? <laughs> Did I miss a text somewhere? I oh, know yeah. we, I know where we, our conversations are like internet browsers where we have several tabs. We just you also said that like so twenty twenty millennial. You're in a long term committed relationship. Like yeah, I'm married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm a. I'm a, what, what are Gen Zs called now? Zoomers. Or, well, yeah, they're they're the Zoomers. But apparently, our, us the the young or the sorry the old millennials born in the eighties still. And uh, the Gen Yers that are like, we're not that old. <laughs> we were born in the late 70s. They're now calling us Xennials. Uh, or Gen X, sorry. Yeah, so Gen, Gen X and Gen old X. Boomer. Old. We're, yeah, we're butchering this one. Yeah. <laughs> old, young Xers, old millennials. We're now Xennials. <laughs> <laughs> Social media didn't exist till we were in college. I guess that's the defining factor. Okay. I mean... Has this marked your relationship in a way that will be notable in 10 years? I, I think, it, I mean, it's definitely marked our lives yeah. in a way that, that will be notable. Our specific relationship, I mean, we already have an oddly unique relationship. Monica works full time. I am usually gone with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of like feels like I've, I'm in between tours forever. Like it's this weird purgatory of in between touring where it's, I still have like this instinctive feeling like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll be leaving within a couple months. And I, but I just like, it's perpetual. It never, it never leaves. But, um, the, I guess the nice thing is that it's honestly the most time she and I have ever consecutively spent together. That's pretty wonderful. That's pretty wonderful. Yeah. So that's, I I guess that would be the defining moment of our relationship Mm -hmm. is that it is since the beginning for, almost five years now that it is the most consecutive days we've ever spent together, which has been, 
I mean, every single one of them yeah. since we came home from tour end of last year. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. Well, and in, in, in thinking about our confessor here, and to your point, you know, they do share interests. What a f- uh, insane interest to share, which is like, uh, I believe in social justice. I think Black Lives Matter, and I uh, am not okay with a federal police force coming into my city. Yeah, crazy. What and a when crazy I, thing to think. Yeah, and when I say <laughs> insane, I mean, I have share all those values. But to sort of maybe possibly have some sort of like amorous thing be part of that. Yeah. It's very much life during wartime. That is life during wartime. It's, uh, it, it is interesting how many different versions of that there is right now. I mean, for all of this, you know, social conversation to come to light during a pandemic, like the, the people that try to act like it isn't related somehow blow my mind because it is so yeah. inherently related. It's like all, all the pandemic has done is has just highlight the, not all it's done, it's done a fuck ton. Yeah. But one of the things it's done is just highlight the massive amount of uh, social inequality in this country that we love to turn a blind eye to because we put our heads down and we work, you know, five plus days a week and we pay our bills and like we're taught that that's all that matters. As long as you do those things, yeah. then you have an excuse for everything else in life. To to be forced to go from being a workaholic to then not having no incentive for me to work beyond just love of the game and joy and boredom. It's been a pretty massive paradigm shift for me and I have never really cared about making a good living or anything like blah, 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 blah. I have always loved working and I've always valued working and, to and working just, exceptionally hard too, like yeah, well, a bit, a bo- beyond what is necessary to mm-hmm. subsist or whatever. And you know, my work is my passion. I'm like super stereotypical millennial in that sense. And you don't, you can't ever step away from it because mm-hmm. of that too. Which is that is one of the massive difference of like differences of being a creative workaholic and you know a more traditional career pursuit workaholic yeah. is that. I mean, I guess I, I think a lot of professionals would probably feel the same about their job, but you don't. You just truly never walk away from it. Whether, yeah, I mean, it. it you're just thinking. Whether, I mean, if you're creating a specific song, working on how to release something you've already created, planning that next tour, figuring out how to pay next month's rent while yeah. still working 60 hours a week, it's like it's just constant. It's all the time, and yeah, that coming to a screeching halt has been. It's been a massive paradigm shift for massive. me. Massive so massive because uh i mean i thought i was a socialist before yeah (laughs) Yeah. now i'm i'm definitely a socialist and uh i'm i'm very i'm much more skeptical of of working as a mode of being in life which is is 1000 percent because of this pandemic that i got into this place at 34 and not 63 and a half like most American men. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I'm still like I I still like the version described as social democracy, you Mm -hmm. know, democratic socialism. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I could be a full on socialist. I'm like too much of an entrepreneur. There has to be room for something else. Yeah. For some for some level to like, I don't know. I don't know what the right words are anymore because, like, you don't move up in society. What's that mean? Well, it's not like there's a party for you. Make more money and be considered higher class. Like, I don't. Yeah. That's not necessarily the goal, but 
Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the right words are. I, I, I'm having trouble. Me neither. Kind of putting words to it. But I feel like they're, personally, I wouldn't be satisfied just getting paid to do whatever I want. Like, mm-hmm. universal basic income that incentivizes you to pursue the things you want to make more money? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Easy. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. But 100% socialism, I don't know. I still struggle with it. I mean like the European style. Okay. Where it's, that I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. And I, I only, <laughs> like, and I just mean it in the sense of like... Healthcare. And I like crunch the numbers, right? Yeah. And ham a charity pays for my health care so mm-hmm. i'm real real lucky in that they pay my premiums i i still i still spend an enormous amount on health care yeah even though my premiums are covered yeah exactly you know we all do we all do and it's it's just it just I, I think this pandemic and then followed up by the black lives matter uprising has just very much highlighted how being poor is illegal in this fucking society and i'm not and i'm not truly poor but it's it's it it is viewed as illegal and you're deemed lazy no matter how many fucking jobs you have no matter how many jobs you have no matter how many hours a week you work Mm -hmm. you're somehow you're lazy because you're poor yeah it's like it's like your fault or something yeah exactly you know healthcare solving hunger like no children should be hungry Mm -hmm. and some sort of rent control and guaranteed housing for you know a certain income. That doesn't mean that you can't go make more money and live in your fucking mansion and drive your hundred thousand dollar car. Nobody's trying to take yeah. that away from you assholes. But we're trying to just help the other people too. You might recall that one of our confessors, um, the the crux of her story was that she finally admitted her feelings to uh, a friend who was a doctor. Um, this this confessor. Uh, wrote in and gave us an update about how she's doing. Um, She says, It's still pretty much a British romance, a la atonement. Lots of gestures at having feelings, but little to no discussion of those feelings because everything is overwhelming. For example, she helped me find and move into a new apartment about an hour away from her. Socially suboptimal, financially a big improvement for me. Thanks, Boston landlords, greedy mofos. Her phrase, not mine. We went on a hike with some friends. I got jealous of the woman she went. She then went overnight camping with. I bought her a big bouquet of flowers with a Susan Sontag quote. Then drove down to the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. Oh, then she drove down to the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia to stay in a corn visit with family for a few weeks. Couldn't stop myself from telling her she looked amazing when I saw her on a Zoom call for work. Oh, and the song y'all made is now my go-to ro- in my go-to rotation. Gets me every time. I'm not sure when I'll share it with her. I wonder if she'll realize it's about us when she hears it. So that's two women slowly circling the idea of a romantic relationship during a pandemic. Me wanting to dive in heart first. Her keeping 100 yards emotional distance with hints of reciprocity and the occasional I'm thinking of you gift. Her grandmother passed away. Her mom is out of the hospital trying to recover and get follow-up treatment. I picked up pieces of half-started conversations about her life which she then waves off for another time, keeping a list of moments that I hope we'll share someday. Sounds kind of brutal. It sounds brutal, and I, like, have so many fucking questions. I mean, my basic question is, like, have you guys kissed? (laughs) That's a good question. Have you rolled around on the ground kissing? Because they're doing things. Yeah, true. I was left with the impression that because she was a doctor... That she couldn't do things. That they couldn't see each other or be in the same space. Yeah. 
it seems like now not the case doctor is is seeing people and doing things just not with her yeah that's a good point doctor about town weird yeah yeah why didn't why didn't you guys go camping together why didn't you, yes why did you not go camping together i feel like you have every right to be jealous <laughs> also your jealousy i feel your jealousy <laughs> Yeah, well, I just feel hurt on your behalf. Yeah, that, that's weird. That too, that too. I, hmm. Yeah, the, I feel like the reasons that they couldn't be together are completely null and void with that update. That's how it feels to me. Also, I would like to know the Susan Sontag quote. <laughs> just me. Just you. Can we pretend to know? What do you... What do you think it is? Just make one up. I've only read two Susan Sontag ep- uh, essays. With it. I-, I should say I'm only familiar with two of them, and one of them is about uh, looking at art, and the other one is about camp. So maybe about camp, but camp as in like the the style. Yeah, but maybe she's just crafty. Mm. <laughs> it was like on? I hope you have a campy time out <laughs> yeah. with your friend, dressed like a Boy Scout. Miss you. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> You know, reading this follow-up from our episode five, Confessor, really kind of hits home this sneaking suspicion I've had the whole time, which is that whatever someone's bullshit, ours included, that they have when it comes to their romance life, the pandemic has just become the perfect excuse to just do whatever the fuck you want or, or or secretly. So like if you know, there are people who they've been wanting to get a divorce or break up and like this, that they're just doing it. Mm -hmm. There's people who've had crushes and they're like, I gotta let them know. I gotta let them know. There are people who dating and romance is very stressful and overwhelming for them. And the pandemic has been the perfect excuse to just be like, well, I mean, can't do anything right now. Yeah. People who yeah. have been wasting time proposing to their long-term yeah. girlfriends <laughs> just and, pushed them right over the edge. And I don't mean that without <laughs> empathy. That that's that's real life, you know. Mm-hmm. But with, when you read this, like this is this is profoundly disappointing. It is. <laughs> I, <laughs> having been emotionally invested in your love life for four months now, I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pissed. Get the scriptwriter. We're going to go find every doctor in Boston and be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? She loves you, god damn it. What's the song for Little Mermaid? Something, kiss something, the girl? Kiss the girl? Oh, man. What's going on here? Just kiss the girl already. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just... <sighs> yeah, it is. It, the pandemic is definitely just an excuse and a reason for all things, which in a lot of ways could be used uh, pretty weaponized, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's obviously a lot of valid excuses that come from the pandemic. Yeah. And I think because of that, and because everybody knows that you kind of have to accept if you're a decent human, you kind of accept whatever reason anybody's giving you for anything these days. True. You know, I got to be honest with you. There's part of me that thinks maybe our confessor isn't trustworthy or maybe wasn't the most reliable narrator of her own experience. Experience, because the information seems skewed, or the response of the object of her affection seems different. Yes. Yeah, because it seemed very reciprocated in the story, but maybe that's on the doctor, not the confessor. Totally, and that's really kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. It, ultimately, is when I say trustworthy, I don't mean that she's dishonest, but that 
maybe the feelings weren't as mutual as it seemed. Yeah, or maybe maybe the situation wasn't what was painted to us originally. Because yeah, definitely. Or or maybe maybe it wasn't painted to the confessor properly because it did it did very much seem in that original confession like the when the doctor found out she was like oh yeah of course well i feel the same way too silly it's like but now i'm reading that line completely differently (laughs) maybe it's like of course i feel that way about you like finger on nose boop yeah (laughs) hmm i mean i'm i've been i've just been rooting for her yeah, me too. I really thought that that one maybe had, I don't want to say the most promise, but the it was maybe the most inspirational. And the most drama. There yeah. was this beautiful, yeah. like, there was this helpless romance to the whole thing of like, mm-hmm. I have to tell you this now. I, mm-hmm. Like, I can't wait. And a brute honesty behind those feelings too, in multiple levels of like, the I, I can't wait, but then also just like, admitting that she wanted to date a woman for the first time, admitting to herself, mm-hmm. not just to yeah. the doc. Mm-hmm. Well, those are our, our, our two biggest updates. We, we did uh, catch up with the other confessors, and uh, there's not much new to report there. Uh, I guess if that ever changes, we'll let you know. Yeah. Or yeah. we'll just do a, a whole other uh, mini-season. It'll be very self-referential. Con- confessor updates might be a regular thing. Let us know if you enjoy it. We're not sure. Yeah, now that we like are in kind of more contact, yeah. or I should say more prolonged contact with the confessors, there's sort of no reason we couldn't get updates. There, there really isn't anymore. Yeah, that's maybe an interesting change that has come out of all of this. God, it, we're literally saying this in a cold sweat is breaking out of my back because <laughs> so like, that's so much work. I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, you don't want more work? Uh, this is this is the end of our uh, our Love and Quarantine mini-season, obviously, but we do have more coming towards you, uh, coming to you. We do have more coming to you very soon. Yeah. Uh, we're calling it, uh, what is it, 48 Hours in Newport? 72 hours in Newport. Let's go 72. Yeah, okay. that was a setup day. <laughs> it's called 72 hours in Newport, and it is a mini season based on uh, based around confessions we took at Newport Folk Festival last summer. Almost we, exactly a year ago. We have a killer list of bands. We can't tell you exactly who they are yet, but it is coming very soon. So stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for your time and your support and sharing this with friends. Just being you. Yeah, just, you know, hang in and quarantine tight. 